From starring roles in West Side Story to The Lion King to thoroughly modern Millie and Candide, our two special guests on this episode have a wealth of knowledge and experience in both musical theater and opera. Today on the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast, the conversation continues with Harolyn Blackwell and Robin Payne. The Metropolitan Opera Guild is dedicated to enriching people's lives through an awareness and deeper appreciation of opera. Our podcast features lectures and events presented by the Guild in support of performances at the Metropolitan Opera. The Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast is funded in part by support from the Stuart J. Pierce Memorial Fund. To learn more, visit metguild.org. Our last episode featured legendary soprano Harolyn Blackwell in conversation with renowned Broadway veteran Robin Payne. They were discussing similarities and differences between musical theater and opera, swapping stories of struggles and successes throughout their careers. I'm Naomi Baratera, and when I first sat down with Robin and Harolyn, we intended to record enough for one special podcast episode in celebration of Black History Month. However, the discussion really took off and they were having so much fun that we decided to split everything into two parts. If you've not yet heard the first part of this, listen to our previous episode, but for now we're going to jump right in where we left off. This is Robin Payne and Harolyn Blackwell. If we go back for a moment to the discussion of race and diversity and minorities being represented on both the opera and musical theater stage, can do you think that there are things that each art form or industry can learn from one another in this regard? Things that have been successful, perhaps in opera, that musical theater could learn from, and mm. things that were successful in musical theater that the opera world could learn from. Mm, that's interesting. I think when I started in the, I think that was one of the reasons why I made the switch from musical theater to opera, because I could see that. The opera was more open to people of color. Mm-hmm. It was about whoever could sing the part. And I always tell this story that when I, my first year at the Met, I remember getting on the elevator, and there were f- f- five of us, five African-American women, going to their different rehearsals. Oh, wow. nice. And we were just talking, right? And all of a sudden I said, wait, everyone. <laughs> Can you believe this? Can you believe this? So it is one of the reasons where, why I felt I had to leave musical theater because mm. I wasn't seeing people of color in the repertoire that I could sing. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were there, but not in the repertoire I could mm-hmm. sing. And so, as I said, I just felt it's not going to happen, so I've got to move on to... Um, and, into another world. Um, so, but I think as Robin has said, that has changed somewhat. It's starting to change. Um, I think musical theater could still be a little bit more open mm-hmm. to that. I remember a a manager, uh, rather, um, yes, I guess a manager called me up about a show that they were doing. And I said, well, they want a person of color. He said, well, you, Audra, <laughs> and, and I can't remember the third person. And 
I had just only come back to do Candide, mm-hmm. so all of a sudden they were putting me in this circle of of individuals who had mm-hmm. crossover crossed appeal. over had mm-hmm. the crossover appeal, and that was when twenty odd years ago. Mm-hmm. But it's still, as you said, it still is room for, for I think the musical theater world to grow in that respect. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Robin. It's just a choice. I think it's not you know it's not about what's realistic. People are singing on a stage. It doesn't have to be real. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I think, as far as I know, most shows that are cast, like a large show, like The Lion King or other musicals, if there's there's one Asian female dancer in The Lion King, mm-hmm. so that track will always be Asian female. Mm-hmm. So other shows, if there's one black male singer, then they will always have one black male singer, as opposed to it being. It might be different for certain shows, but instead of them saying, "Well, who's right for the mm-hmm. part?" Interesting. So it, it, you know, it's unfortunate. So, because it's so limiting for everyone. I guess it makes casting easier. But Oh, that's interesting. So mm-hmm. as you said, you're going to a track system. A track. Sy- a well, track that's the thing. System. A lot of these shows are just track system, which is not necessarily fun for anyone to go into. Mm-hmm. Because you're not, you know, you think, oh, I'm going to be on Broadway and I get to do... No, say the line this way. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> mm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Wow. Especially a long-running show. It's just plugging you in. Mm-hmm. I was in Lion King right after the five-year anniversary, and it was already like that. I mean, Lion King is a particular type of show, too. There's not that much room for interpretation. But. Right. Mm-hmm. Where, is, where is, now that's interesting. I think in the opera world, there, we have a little more room for interpretation mm-hmm. um, because we're working with a different director. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've done you know, one particular role where a director has asked me to do this and mm-hmm. another has gone, you know, a totally different way. And and that part, I think, is really exciting because you're working with so many different directors and you're working with so many conduct, different conductors mm-hmm. and you're working with so many different artists, you know, in such a, um, uh, sometimes in, in a short period of time. So um, you're getting all this information Constantly, mm-hmm. some of it you can take in and you can um, recreate. Others, you, sometimes you just have to fall back because of the time period you mm-hmm. have. I mean, mm-hmm. for example, doing um, the Porgy and Bess with Trevor Nunn, where we had a long, long period of uh, working. Almost, I think we had almost when eight was this weeks. A Glyndebourne. Okay, how long ago was this? This was eighty. Okay, that's the 80. that's where I first know you from. That recording. From that recording. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From that recording, right, 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 right. And here's a good example of working with such a great theater director and taking that piece and pulling it apart. And a lot of people in that production had done the production here at um, the Met. And, you know, trying to take take that stuff that they had learned and trying to take that apart, it was difficult for mm-hmm. some people. But mm-hmm. other people, you know, it, eventually everyone came on board. But it, that experience of working with such a great director and a great musical director and the two of them coming together, um, Sir Simon Rattle, it just, it made that piece a totally different and new piece. Hmm. Wow. Totally hmm. different and new piece. I'm sure it was like, you know, the example for people coming, um, working with... Um, in the production that Audra and Norm Lewis did. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, totally, again, coming from a theatrical point, point of view, view. Mm-hmm. with that production. It's also interesting because opera singers have a repertoire of roles that they perform. Right. Where a musical theater person might perform the role a few times, but it would not be my preference. 
Mm-hmm. But it's different. I guess opera, you don't get to do it very often, so you want to continue to do it to work on the role. But I would like to play different parts. So that's a different mm-hmm. sort of a point of view mm-hmm. where you might go come out of school knowing what your repertoire is and knowing the roles that you're going for in mm-hmm. opera where in musical theater you audition and, oh, well, they're doing this show now and, you know, there's exactly. a new show or, oh, they're doing, you know, Carousel again. Maybe mm-hmm. you can play Carrie this time instead of Julie. Julie, right, 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 right. That's yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but that's true. That's very, very true. You changed, didn't you? Change voice types or change repertoire? I changed repertoire because okay. when I first started, I was doing light, light lyric, color tour, and then went into more the bel canto repertoire. Mm-hmm. So it's a voice started to grow. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the repertoire would starts to change, and but in those you know beginning years. You're you're doing, you know, two or three maybe characters that become a staple. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, I'll take um, Denise Graves. I mean, her Carmen, Carmen became really her staple, and yes, she went out. You know, yes, she says Samson, Delilah, and what have you. But that became her her staple right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, we find those staple. Um, um, operas or repertoire, and, and then as the voice changes, we eventually have to you know move on because you just can't. Mm-hmm. Voices change; you just can't stay there. Yeah. So as the voice changes, your repertoire and your roles will change. But that, does age affect that? Some of it, yes. I mean, are there people who are still singing light things who might be in their forties and fifties? Some people, yes. See, just, that's definitely different. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah some people. Theater, yeah. As you get older, you get. So it, that's part of you know my mm. journey is I'm definitely a different type, and there aren't a lot of authoritative African American roles in musical theater. So mm. it's just a different sort of a road to take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where you know opera, maybe I'd still be singing certain parts if I. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It, it depends on where, where how the voice grows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just depends on how the voice grows. Um, some people, it just you know, I take for example. Um, Roberta Peters. There's a good example. Roberta, you know, saying always that very, very high coloratura roles. Mm. That's where the voice lived, mm. and that's where it basically stayed. And but then you take someone like Callas, who just was like all over really? the place, you know, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I think. This season at the Met is a great example, and in the Trebko singing exactly. Aida, that's not a role she would have sung ten years ago. No way. But it's definitely something where there's kind of like a calculated strategy to grow the voice in a certain direction. She was playing or singing all of the Ina roles, like Norina and In Elixir of Love, Adina, and Adina yes. that type of thing, and so. I think seeing her move into more and more dramatic repertoire, that's one trajectory that a soprano or any opera singer can take if the voice wants mm-hmm. to grow in that right. direction. Right. So how does that work logistically? Is that something that the artistic director would have a relationship with her so that they would trust to cast her in those parts? Part of it, part of it is her, I mean, the singer. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it is, yes, the management, and part of it is the, um, is the general directors you're working with. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination of the three that, you know, you sit down, you, you, because you know your voice better than anyone else, and the people around you, your coaches and your voice teacher, um, as you're starting to, to mature, where's the voice going to go? Um, 
you never quite know, but you you know you say, oh, I, I think I'll dabble my foot in this first. Hmm, that feels a little comfortable. I think maybe in the next two to three years, this is where I, I think the voice is going to go, and 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 you tr- again you try it out, you try it out, mm-hmm. and see. Yes, that feels comfortable. Yeah, okay. Then we take the next step. I know with my 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 manager, we sat down, we put down you know a five year, ten year plan mm-hmm. of where we felt the voice would be going, mm-hmm. and basically. The voice did, did do that. But he had been someone who had worked with uh, Kathleen Battle, with Kira DeConawa. So he had worked, my manager worked with, you know, all those singers. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a combination of, of, mm-hmm. of, I think, those three things. Because mm-hmm. the general director can say, well, we're doing an Aida in five or six years. What do you feel about, mm-hmm. about this? Do you, you know, do you, mm-hmm. what do you think about doing this role at that, that period? And so, you know, you go, hmm, okay, I'm sorry, I'll work towards that. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how, I mean, that's how I've done it. I, I'm, 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 I'm speaking from my experience. Mm-hmm. I think looking from the outside, having been involved in teaching about opera for a long time myself, mm-hmm. certainly with, with certain singers, you see this trend over and over again, where no singer begins their career career at the exact same place singing the exact same roles where they end their career it everything your body is an organic thing that's growing and so your voice grows it changes and there's there's roles that you you dream about singing that maybe when you first start out you know you're not ready yet Mm -hmm. but then you're working towards those and trying to grow the voice in that direction and so I and then there's some singers that they have the trajectory in mind and you can tell from the repertoire that they're taking on that they're pushing in a certain direction but then they sometimes change direction they've been going on a certain path and at some point it wasn't working for them anymore and so they shift shift gears and go another way Mm -hmm. so I think Deborah Voigt's a great example where Mm -hmm. she was moving more and more towards singing Brunhilde's and Ring Cycles at the Met. And then she talked about in an interview, I remember seeing her talk about she had a moment where she didn't think it was working for her. And she said, I had to make a choice. And I decided that it was best for me to change tactics or change directions Mm -hmm. because this was not going to be the best thing for me or for my voice. Mm -hmm. And so... And I think every singer's path is totally different. different. And I think yeah. in opera, I was thinking about, well, you were talking about the singing the same role that other singers have sung or in musical theater, the desire for things to sound exactly like they have before. I feel like in opera, the, the focus and kind of, and for lack of a better term, the fetishization of singers is that what is it different that they're going mm, to bring? Yes, what is it that's cool. special about their voice or their interpretation that is going to give it that that extra or different something that I've never heard or never felt before or never seen mm. before? And I feel like because so many types of voices could sing certain roles, mm-hmm. many types of voices could sing... Carmen, Mm -hmm. right? And for example, even though it's a mezzo part, more or less, billed as such, there have been lighter mezzos and heavier mezzos. There have been sopranos. There's been sopranos who have sung (laughs) it. And so I think that that's one of the very unique things about opera is that 
we we delight in pursuing what is different about each singer because no two voices are the same. Are the same. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. That, that, yes, that's right. No, that's yeah. very, very true. I, I just thought about the fact that, you know, singing something, for example, like Oscar, mm-hmm. and, um, and my voice is being maybe a little little more warm than another singer in, in, in singing that role, where it's for coloratura, lyric coloratura, and my voice has a little more roundness in the middle than another singer. So I'm going to bring that to the role. You know, I'm not going to change my voice color because mm-hmm. someone else exactly. does it like this. Mm-hmm. I have to bring my my voice to the, the role. And it might be a little different. That's okay. That's okay. So, yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. very well said. Yeah, that's very, very true. Yeah. So to kind of wrap things up, you've touched on this already in our discussion, but now both of you are part of this important performing legacy, inspiring the next generation of singers in both opera and musical theater. What advice would you give to a young singer who is interested in pursuing either opera or musical theater, but maybe fears some of the challenges that they see in pursuing a career in one or both art forms? I'd say be careful with voice teachers. I know that's a strange one, um, because if you're 16, you don't know any better. But if you have to feel it, maybe that's not the right, <laughs> maybe you're not doing it right. I think sometimes, at least I feel like I have to muscle through things. Mm-hmm. It's like, now I'm singing. It's like, maybe you don't need to feel it if someone's forcing you to cover something or to make a certain sound. And then a lot of times you listen to albums as a kid and you try to recreate that sound. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing if you're doing it naturally. It's another thing if it's being manipulated. So mm-hmm. just for parents of, of children or whether, just be careful if you feel that that sound is being manipulated. Mm-hmm. That's a good you one. That's a habits. good one. That's a good one. Because what I'm finding is that people are starting at such a young age of taking voice lessons and performing and that there is so much, as you said, information that has been given to them that does not help them. And I will tell you, as, as a voice instructor, I have to undo a lot of that mm. stuff. And what I say to my, 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 my students, to me, is about the ease of singing. And they all look at me like I'm from outer space. I said, because if you are 18 years of age, I don't want you to be sounding like a 40-year-old mm-hmm. woman. Okay? Absolutely. You're 18. If you sound like you're 40 now, what are you going to sound like by the time 40. you get to 40? And it's, it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. So the I, I think the advice, and it's... It's it's hard. I think part of it because we listen to recordings and we want to, you know, imitate. Mm-hmm. And what I always say, let find your voice, mm-hmm. find your voice. Mm. The beauty about singing is that every voice is different. That's the beauty about singing. So find your voice. Trust that. The other thing I say to them. Take those dance classes. Take those history classes. Mm-hmm. Get the knowledge. I think what I find often is people just think, well, I get the knowledge because this is what it's going to help me to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, 
gather the knowledge. Mm -hmm. You may not use it now, but somewhere along mm -hmm. the line, it's going to come back and you go, oh, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So I always say, if, you know, I don't care if you're doing opera or you're doing musical theater. Get Do the dance classes. Do the drama, the singing lessons, mm -hmm. the history lessons. And what I would say is that some of the musical theater people come to the opera. Mm -hmm. Opera people go to musical theater, go to a play. Mm -hmm. Some of the best things I have learned about acting has been just sitting in a play. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the advice I can give. Mm -hmm. and, and, find, and find your voice. Mm -hmm. and as far as talking about the fear, the challenges that they see ahead, you know, I, I, I love it when people say, oh, wow, that's such a difficult career path. It's like, well, you know, your bank company went under and, <laughs> you know, that's difficult too. So life is difficult. So if this is really what you want to do, then just bear down and come and do it and do your best. Yeah. And, you know, get as much knowledge, education, take as many classes as you can. Do it because you love it and because there's nothing else you can do. And if you can find something else to do, you'll find it. I was just about to say, if it's your passion, mm -hmm. you will find a way to make it happen. There are, I think, Robin, you can say this. I think all of us can say this. These, there's a steps that we've had to take along the way. Sometimes we go four, four steps forward, and sometimes we go four steps backward. But we just, if you're really passionate about this, you just keep moving forward, keep moving forward, keep moving forward. And to me, the true test of if someone's really passionate about this, they learn from those, those bad experiences and say, I've got to move forward. Only thing you can do is go into an audition and you do the best you, you can, can do, do that day. There are so many factors beyond your control you. that you don't know. Mm -hmm. It might be as simple as the casting director is looking at the fact that you are too tall mm -hmm. for for the to play opposite the the lead. Mm -hmm. It could be simple as that. Mm -hmm. And you don't know that. So only thing you can do is go in there and you just do the best you can. You just play the long game, you know. Because if play you show the long up game. and you're good, then Eventually, your time will come. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's really be prepared. And that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. If you if you are prepared, when that time comes, you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. Well, with that, <laughs> I think we should wrap yes. up. <laughs> it is ten after yes. two. <laughs> so, Neither talking to bunch, are we? Right. <laughs> Start a huge, heartfelt thanks to Robin Payne and Harolyn Blackwell for sharing their personal experiences, insights, and inspirations throughout these two special episodes. To keep up with everything these amazing women are up to, check out their websites. You can find them at robinpayne.com, that's Robin with a Y and Payne with a Y, and harolynblackwell.com, and Harolyn is also with a Y. I'm Naomi Baratera, and thank you so much for listening.